White Castle presents CEO Lisa Ingram. My great-grandfather opened White Castle in 1921, which is why I'm excited to announce the new 1921 slider, inspired by how we made them 100 years ago with a 100% beef patty topped with cheddar cheese, caramelized onions, tomato, lettuce, and pickles. Come see why originality never goes out of style. I'm Lisa, but you can call me the Slider Queen. White Castle. Long live sliders. Pasteurized processed cheese at participating castles. At Smoky Bones, meat is what we do. And we do it all while taking our inspiration from everywhere. From New York strips and buffalo wings to St. Louis ribs drenched in Kansas City sauce. Our meat mastery knows no bounds. We grill it, smoke it, pull it, carve it. You name it. So come try our new rib feast. That's a house rack of ribs, two sides, garlic bread, and a drink for just $19.99 when you dine in. At Smoky Bones, meat is what we do. Limited time only while supplies last were permitted by law. Welcome back to the Razzball Prospect Podcast. That's right. We are back. It has been intermittent so far in the early going. We've been uh, very busy with with personal things, professional things, and, of course, all the work we've been doing over at Prospects Live and then Lancet BP and several other sites as he uh, spreads his wings and looks to become, uh, I don't know, what's what's your ultimate goal? Like, who do you who do you plan on becoming, Lance? I, I want to be national. Ken Rosenthal? Here. Yeah, Carol, I'd say like oh. a version of like Kenny, maybe a little Eno mixed in. I, I still think Eno is in this niche that no one's competing in, which is like the reporting on top of stats. I feel like that's so undercovered. Yeah. So I'd say like that with some Rosenthal mixed in. But Rosenthal is, is more of an info guy. I don't know if I want to be the info guy. I don't know if I want to be the insider, you know? It's a lot of work, but I don't know. I can't be afraid of work, right? It seems like a lot of butt ki- kissing. I, it, I don't know. I'd, like rather, I'd rather be an yes. analyst. I, I get what you're saying. Yeah, because it's yeah. kind of what we do, right? So you just take it to the next level and actually want to make some money off of it, unlike us, uh, us silly fools in in this <laughs> industry. But anyway, we are back. It is the Rasball Prospect Podcast, powered by Prospects Live. Of course, I am your host, Ralph Lifshitz. This is my co-host, Lance Brozdowski. And we got a lot of call-ups. I think we've missed Vlad. We've missed Kaiboom getting called up and then sent back down. Michael Chavis was called up, and he's been phenomenal for the Red Sox. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, who else? Oh, Nick Senzel, of course, Senzel? was called yeah. up. He's been really good as well. He's shown some power. He's shown some speed. He's, other than one uh, poorly played ball, I think in San Francisco, he's looked really good in center field. Pretty good first step. Um, I've been impressed in the five or six games I've gotten to catch of him. Um, but that's not why we're here. We're not here to talk about the guys already in the major leagues. Let's dive right into it, Lance. Yeah. Um, we have a big call of a player that we both have seen 
quite a bit. We're not talking about Vlad Guerrero Jr. Um, and we only have a few more of these guys left, like Kevin Biggio and Bo Bichette. But Brendan Rogers, um, obviously former Hartford Yard Goat for consecutive seasons in 2017 and 2018, at least half seasons there. Um, we've seen him, Lance, play several different positions. We've seen multiple games at third base uh, early in 2018, where he seemed to be playing the most third. I think they started to move him over to short and second base much more frequently, probably after that Nolan Arenado contract. Um, yeah. We've seen him play a lot of short, and we've play, seen him play a, a fair amount of second, of course, a couple of seasons. And um, I want to kick it over to you first. Before we jump into the fantasy aspect of it, before we jump into the hit tools and exciting you know, uh, uh, sizzle of the player, let's talk about the nuts and bolts, and let's talk about the defense. Where I think he's a second baseman, but I don't want to influence your opinion. What are your thoughts from your observations of the three positions with Rogers and ultimately sort of where do you see him playing his majority of the time and what sort of future value? Yeah, I mean, I remember when we first saw him, Ralph, like way back, probably year two years ago or whatever. I was just mm-hmm. I always thought that the actions weren't as good as most shorts that I've seen, especially the double-A level. And I always saw, viewed him as a second baseman, so I don't want to deviate from that. I think you agree with me. And this report that Trevor Story is bruised knee and that he's projected to play Friday, I think is, throws even a little bit more cold water that he actually gets any time at shortstop. So predominantly for me, it's, it has to be second base. I, I maybe could squint and see in a scenario where they like give Aaron out on off day, but that seems super unlikely. He's played... I mean, like six games at short, three games at third this year in AAA. So he's kind of been all around the diamond. But I don't know. Maybe they're maybe they're trying to be cautious with Story, and maybe they'll flip him into second base. I, I think more than anything, this signals maybe a little bit of a concern with Daniel Murphy's finger not healing completely, uh, perfectly, and his performance maybe he's suffering because of that. So maybe they truly do want to go with like a McMahon purely at first, um, with Rodgers and Hampson at second or some kind. I, I I really don't even know what they're thinking there. But this could be another one of the scenarios where we have a Rockies prospect at the major league level that we just don't get to see, you know, full playing time of. So we're therefore not able to really draw the biggest conclusion from it. So in terms of fantasy ad, I can't say I'm really too intrigued with Rodgers. Um, And as a prospect, I mean, I've definitely, I feel like all of us have kind of soured on him a little bit. We probably still had him inside that top 50 window and such, but he was, I I never kind of had him in that top 15 ish top 20 that a lot of other people Mm. did. And that seems pretty justified for us to keep him outside of that window for now. Cause Projections are fine. Like, he's not going to walk too much. I know he's going to be in cores. Um, and I also am, am, am still really trying to figure out what's going on with the triple eight balls. And uh, that is huge because he's he's on pace to hit, like, 27 home runs in triple eight right now. Um, he struggled a little there last year. He wasn't walking at all in K in a ton. And this year he's just blown up. So well, that's been a huge problem. It's like, how, how do we know what these guys' true talent is at triple A level? Because we've seen some guys come up from triple A, like Ty France, who was killing it the PCL and he's done nothing at the major league level. And then other guys we were going to get to in a sec, like Austin Riley, who's killed in a triple A and he comes up and he's scorching hot through his first two games. So there's a lot of kind of questions. I think we're going to talk about uh, in a variety of the guys have been at triple A. And um, the biggest thing is the ball for me. I really don't know how much impact that has on the mm-hmm. performance and separating that from true talent. Sure. And, and just sort of going back to the defense for a second, um, sure. and then I'll move into sort of what my thoughts are on what you yeah. said. Um, yeah, I, I think this guy is maybe a, a 50, 55 defender at second base with the ability to play some yep. short and uh, play some third base. If the Rockies want to get back into it, regardless of what they do with Daniel Murphy, I think in terms of how he's hitting right now, 
I think there's an argument that could be made. The best all around player at second base might, might be Brendan Rogers. He might be ready to contribute for them. Um, and I, I, you know, I always thought second base wise, he, his footwork played there. The athleticism sort of played up a little bit. And when you're a guy who's, you know, he wasn't rangy, but I wouldn't say that he didn't have range. There were times he made some deep plays in the hole. It's not like Bo Bichette probably has a better arm than Bichette does. Um, not very accurate though. I felt when he was deep in the hole and he had to make some really strong throws at times, you would airmail those at second. He's not going to have to make a lot of those throws. It's really just going to be on the pivot, making those turns at, at, you know, um, on double plays and such. I think he can make all those throws, some really easy throws as well. Um, and I'm confident that he can be a really good second baseman, uh, with a lot of offensive upside. Now, uh, on the other side, offensively, you know, talk to a little bit about what his 2019 production has been. 356, 421, 644 through 35 contests. He's got nine homers, 34 runs scored. But I think the most impressive thing that we have to you consider it is the PCL with these balls, which is a little different, I think, than the International League with these balls, which might replicate the Major League environment on a whole, a little bit better maybe than the PCL because those parks were already playing up at five run per game plus environments. They're almost up to six runs per game now with these balls. Um, the thing that's, that, that sticks out to me is the improvement in the strikeout rate, 16.4%. So he's way under 20. That's great. 9.2% walk rate. Um, and he's doing this while he's seeing beach balls. We've seen this Brendan Rogers before where he's locked in, but he's walking 2% of the time because he's hitting, you know, for a 480 baby or, or something like that. Right. So I, I, I've watched five or six uh, Albuquerque games this year. And a lot of it has been trying to catch Rogers at bats and time in that uh, when I'm watching MILB because he's, a you know, it's triple a, the, the feeds are much better at triple a for the most part. And he's a player that, you know, I feel a little bit invested in just from, from a development standpoint, because I kind of want to see how the movie ends. You know, it's like, I've seen this guy for parts of two years. We followed him coming up out of the draft. He was a hot shot prospect. Some people thought he was the best fantasy player, best player, offensive player in that 2015 draft. And that's a strong statement, especially looking back right now with guys like Bregman and Benintendi, et cetera. Um, He still has an opportunity to be amongst that class. And what we've seen this year, more contact, better approach at the plate, more of a plan at the plate. I think you probably agree with me. That was the piece that was missing. This guy was so incredibly talented just from a bat to ball standpoint, you know, great batting practice. He's a guy that, you know, has power at the point of contact. A lot of his problem was often swinging at the wrong pitches. It was almost like Mikhail Franco early in his career where it was like he he could hit everything because his plate coverage was so great and his bats of ball ability and hit eye coordination were excellent, but he didn't always look to hit pitches that he could drive and get the most really from his abilities. And, and I think I'm starting to see a little bit more of that where he's a little bit more patient. He's taken those pitches, especially in the outer half of the plate that used to eat him up all the time. A lot of stuff that might be, you know, low and inside that, you know, he would, you know, he would end up rolling over, um, I think we're seeing less of that in terms of the actual profile of batted ball contact that we'll mention this. He's been a little bit more ground ball heavy, funny enough. Um, 
and he's hit a ton of line drives. So, you know, I don't know if once again, it might be the balls and the environments playing up. So that might be a little bit to go against it, but I do feel that this is an improved player just from a pitch recognition and an approach standpoint. And that's really the big, my, I've always felt was the biggest barrier between Brendan Rogers and potentially, you know, reaching his peak abilities. Yeah. And I mean, what you mentioned there regarding like the ground ball rate being up, the, the interesting thing that I think is often clouded by like those specific bad ball data is like, sure. You want a guy to hit a ball hard, but you also want a guy to hit a ball hard in a certain degree of launch angle, which I, I hate yeah. dropping the launch angle word, but you want a barreled ball, which is the perfect combination of velocity and, um, and, uh, and launch angle. So when you have like a guy with a slightly uptick ground ball rate or even a similar year over year ground ball rate, like there's a chance that he's a more productive player based on a variety of other factors outside of just that ground ball rate. So the fact that he's got so many home runs with a similar ground ball rate almost makes me think whether there was like an actual conscious swing path adjustment in the offseason for him where, you know, he's still topping balls, but at the same time, he's able to drive those balls that are in the air. He's hitting the balls in the perfect kind of window of exit velocity and launch angle. He's seeing those balls harder. He's seeing those balls more consistently, even if he still is topping balls. And you can look at it less, like similar with a guy like Gandhi Diaz. He's hitting less fly balls, but Diaz is still hitting a similar amount of ground balls as he did last year, which is kind of weird. Obviously, ground ball to fly ball ratio goes down, but he's still topping balls at a relatively similar rate. He's just, in his launch angle, I actually think it hasn't changed much at all, but he's just able to drive those balls that he's hitting in the air more frequently. And if we can get that with Rodgers in cores, that is huge. So I'm... I'm particularly interested in some of that data and getting some of that hard hit data and how he looks in that spectrum of things. Um, I, I, there's a chance here that we're discounting him a little too much, I think, because I think I had him in that, again, I said that like yeah. 50-ish overall window. There's a chance that he comes out and pops the next thing you know, he's starting second baseman. For we, had team, at, you know? we had him at 25. Uh, we had him we at did? 25 okay. on the uh, cumulative top 100, and we also had him at 25 on the fantasy top 100 okay. and uh, he was number one on uh, my Rockies top 30, obviously enough. Yeah. Yeah. That's okay. Um, There's nothing wrong with that. You know what? I think I, and we'll talk about it later. I think if I re-ranked it now, I might actually rank uh, Colton Welker number two in the system. You've seen a lot of him, right? You like him a lot. I have. I've seen about uh, five games of Welker now. Um, five or six, six, six game, five, I can't remember if I've seen five or six. I'm trying to think. I have to go back. I think it, we'll say five to be safe. I've seen five games of Welker now against righties. I've seen him against lefties. Um, I've seen him get some decent pitching too. You know, um, Patrick Murphy, Will Crow, uh, Sterling Sharp, and uh, lefty and uh, Brandon Bramer, who was at the Arizona Fall League this year. Um, so I've caught him for a few series and, uh, I'm going to catch him again against a couple of other arms. We'll talk about a little bit later. So, uh, just going back to that list anyway, Garrett Hampson, though, I want to just mention this. He really hasn't taken this job and run with it even He's beyond not, yeah. the, the Rockies nonsense people want to throw out there because I still maintain, and I wrote this in the off season. If they feel a player is ready and they feel that he is good, they will play him. They play Trevor story. They've done it with other guys. If they feel Rodgers is good and he can handle it and he's better than the other two guys, which I think all around there's going to be some limitations with McMahon defensively, and I still think Rodgers, true talent-wise, offensively, is probably better than, than, than McMahon. I agree. I think so. I think that he's a guy that can overtake him and ultimately run with this job. I don't know what their plans are. 
I feel like he's a guy because of options and some of these roster flexibility things, he might end up getting sent back down. But if he comes up and he, he hits for three or four games, he's going to make it hard. We kind of thought the same thing with Michael Chavis and we've seen what he's done in the major league level. And, you know, he's certainly not a guy that's been as built up as maybe Carter Keyboom. So it's just about taking advantage of that opportunity early and um, staking your claim in the job. But that remains to be seen, but I think Rogers does have the ability to do so. Let's talk to somebody uh, that has taken the job, potentially could run with it with Travis Shaw on the IL. That is Keston Hira. Uh, of the Milwaukee Brewers. He's looked pretty good in the early going. He had some funky numbers early on in AAA. He was hitting for a lot more power. He was striking out a lot more. That started to um, stabilize over the last three weeks. Strikeout rate, walk rate is back where it should be. He's still hitting for power. Um, He's a guy I'm excited about in fantasy leagues in particular, I think this guy can be a contributor. They had him, I think, hitting six tonight um, on nice. Thursday when we're recording this. So this is a guy that has the ability to stick around. And the way Travis Shaw is hitting, um, you know, they could do anything with him. They can move him for pitching, package with it, a couple of prospects, whatever they want to do. Whatever they need, I have a feeling that Shaw is out of the picture quickly. This is going to be a curious job, no? Yeah, I mean, I... I guess I'm not as sold on that. I think that there's a chance that they have a long leash with Shaw and it's something that's wrong and fixable, you know? Like, I think there's a difference between a guy just purely decaying and something being wrong with the guy to a point where they go down and they fix it and the next thing you know, he's fine. But but there is a chance. I do believe that there is a possibility that Hiria runs away with the job, so you have to keep that in play. Um, yeah, the numbers of AAA were weird. I agree with that for sure because the walker is up too. Um, and this goes again back to the ball side of things and just us trying to figure out what the F is going on with them. He had six home runs in 73 games in double A and he gets 11 and 37 in triple A, which is a thing you kind of don't see too much, but, but he's a really interesting combination. Uh, I think he's going to be maybe more of like an average OBP guy early. I, I see a little bit more of like acclimation to happen with him. He's 22. He's a little bit younger. The stats, the projections are, are decent on him. They obviously see some attrition with the, the walk rate and such, but I think of all these guys we're going to talk about right here, Huria to me has the biggest chance to kind of defeat these projections somewhat. You know, I think that he's a guy who can come up and walk and strike out, not at the kind of 25 strikeout, 6% walk that Steamer has, but more along maybe the 10% walk, 20% strikeout window, which would make him like a solid, like 340 probably OBP guy and put him well above average. And that would, that would allow him to run away with the job. So, I think the biggest thing for me is just seeing whether at 22 these pitch recognition skills for him improved enough to the point where we're validating this kind of 10% walk rate. And we're comfortable saying that is something that is going to sustain as opposed to him falling back to kind of the, the 6 7% he's been around for his almost entire career. So I think there's a, a variety of outcomes that could happen here. I think they have a long leash with Shaw, but at the same time, if Furia proves that he's ready at 22, this is going to be one of the better hit tools in baseball, I think, for an extended period of time, and he's only going to keep getting better. So I'm, I'm very excited to see him. I actually haven't seen any of his at-bats, which is kind of shocking, because I think every other guy really? we've talked about outside of Rogers, because he doesn't have an at-bat yet as of our recording <coughs> Thursday night. Um, every other guy, I've, I've watched almost every single one of their at-bats, oddly. Like Cal- Willie Calhoun we're going to talk about in a sec. Nicky Lopez, I've seen three or four of his at-bats. Austin Riley, I've seen almost all his at-bats. Corbin Martin, I saw a start. And yeah, for some reason, I haven't seen any hurry at-bats. So uh, i got to kind of get on that and see how I think he looks mechanically. But yeah, sound overall, everyone's got really good grades on this kid. It's future, you know, probably 60-60, which is relatively rare and a reason why a lot of people had him inside their top 20, top 15. So 
Um, he's pretty legit. He's great for fantasy in that respect. This is one of the I, this is one of the few assets I think we're going to talk about where there isn't some fielding skill built into the ultimate grade. You know, like mm-hmm. this guy's pure hit. He's pure hit and pure power. The fielding is fine. It's passable, but it's not something yeah. that increases him. It's not a Willie to, Calhoun you know, situation, though. Exactly. I mean, it, it's not. He, no, he's no. a he's a solid enough second baseman that Absolutely. they're not going to have to move him off second. Moving somebody off second is an indictment to begin with. But, yeah. Um, Absolutely. And he's gotten back with his throw into that point. I, I feel that he has one of the better hit tools just from a bat to ball standpoint. The way he gets there, I think, at times, um, kind of uh, is a quick burger yeah. for everybody, is, <laughs> oh. is unique because he has a toe tap and a leg kick built into his and lower half. He wraps half. a little too with his bat, yeah. He There's does a wrap a little bit. Um, I'm not as, I'm not as uh, worried about the bat wrap as you are. Okay. But uh, <laughs> 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 there's a lot of these guys that wrap now. Um, the the thing with, with Huria is – he's got crazy play covers. Like he can get, he can get to anything. Um, and I feel like he's been aggressive in lower levels because of the kind of pitching that he's been seeing. Um, he hasn't seen a lot of advanced sequencing. There's a point that, uh, Eno had brought up when he was in the prospects live podcast with us. And I tend to agree with him is if guys can hit, um, once they get, especially if they have some power, once they get up to the major league level, uh, their walk rates typically um, grow. They're, they typically start to walk more. It may take a year or two, um, but that part of their game, you know, as long as they're not like complete hackers, if you're not talking about like, you know, whoever, a Tim Beckham type of player or whatever, um, as long as they're not complete hackers, you typically see guys that can get up, you know, that are eight, nine percent can get up to like that 10, 11 percent after a few years. And, you know, they start to they start to have some experience with major league pitching and sequencing and that sort of thing. Uh, They know what to lay off of. Um, Yeah. And I think there's some aggression in the minor leagues at times with certain players, too. And they know they they have those skills. So he's got a great set of hands. Um, I think he has good bets, ball skills. I think he has a good approach and good eye at the plate. I don't think he swings at a lot of junk. He can get aggressive at at times. um, And. Yeah, I think the bat path maybe might be some of the reason that he's not hasn't really been even dating back to college um, has had some strikeouts. I mean, he's been about a twenty percent guy now over the course of his professional career, and he's about I think sixteen percent or so uh, at UC Irvine. But I like him a lot, and uh, I think I've added him in a lot of fantasy league redraft, etc. If you own him in Dynasty, uh, enjoy the ride. White Castle presents CEO Lisa Ingram. My great-grandfather opened White Castle in 1921, which is why I'm excited to announce the new 1921 slider, inspired by how we made them 100 years ago, with a 100% beef patty topped with cheddar cheese, caramelized onions, tomato, lettuce, and pickles. Come see why originality never goes out of style. I'm Lisa, but you can call me the Slider Queen. White Castle. Long live sliders. Pasteurized processed cheese at participating castles. Texting privacy policy in terms and conditions posted at textplan.us. Texting and rules for occurring automated text marketing messages. Message and data rates may apply. Reply stop, opt out. The pandemic has been hard on all our kids. New studies show more than one in three children who started school in the pandemic now need intensive reading help. That's right. Millions of kids in kindergarten through third grade in the United States cannot read at grade level. Here's the good news. Your child can be reading in just 30 days, guaranteed, with Hooked on Phonics. Even if your child has been struggling, Hooked on Phonics will teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. And right now, you can get started for just $1. 
$1. Text the word GRADE to 323232 right now. Hooked on Phonics is highly effective and incredibly fun, and everything can be done right from home and in less than 20 minutes a day. For more than 30 years, Hooked on Phonics has been the proven learn-to-read program that kids love to use. Text GRADE to 323232 and teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. Text GRADE to 323232 right now and get started for just $1. Text GRADE to 323232 now. Text GRADE to 323232. Next guy you want to go to, you want to go to Calhoun, you want to talk Nikki Lopez, you want to talk Corbin Martin. I want to go. I want to go to Nikki Lopez. I, I think All this right. is actually. I kind of really liked him, and I thought that there was, you know, a variety of things for him in the present state. We we're just kind of talking about like the aging of walk rates, but also just the present state of baseball with a little bit of a juiced ball, with a little bit of this kind of guy with a really good approach who can walk as much as he strikes out, and projections think he's going to walk as much as he strikes out, or seven times more. Yeah, possibly tapping into a little bit more power. Now, he's got a really level swing, so I don't know if I see that. But I see a guy who can be like a like a solid like 350 OBP guy. I think that he's a little bit underrated, honestly, the more I've seen him live and actually kind of thought about, you know, this kind of player, where he's hitting in the order. I think he's hit second in both of his starts, um, or all of his starts. I think he's had three or four already. But I, I actually kind of really like Nikki Lopez. And going to a big fab weekend, I know we're both in TGFBI and stuff, representing Prospects Live pretty well right now, I believe. Um, our, our whole crew is doing really well. But yeah. this weekend is going to be insane. Like, Huri is going to go the most, probably. I have to imagine Corbin Markin second with Riley close behind, probably obviously up for debate depending on the league. But Nikki Lopez is a guy that I think is going to fall into that, like, 50 to 70 window, you know, if you need middle infield help. So shortstop is relatively deep this year, which is kind of surprising. But say you need second base help or something. Like, he's a guy that I think could be really productive. He's going to provide you a lot of value on the average side of things. I'm I'm intrigued by him. I, I feel like n- not enough was made of this call-up. And I may be over-exaggerating it a little bit, but I just like the present skill set. I like the fact where he's hitting. I think it's going to help his counting stats a lot. Like, Riley and Huria are going to hit six, and eventually I think they'll creep up. But... Like, I think Riley's going to have some tough time creeping up, especially with the guys at the top of that order. And same might be, even be said with Huria. But, um, but Lopez is bad at the top of that order. He's going to get a lot of runs in that lineup, especially with some of the guys behind him. Hopefully, they let him run a little bit. The bat the ball's really good. I don't know how much power's here, but um, I think he could be, like, a solid, like, high 280s, maybe 290s hitter out the gate here and have that run for a little mm-hmm. bit and see what happens because um, I'm, I'm really intrigued by him. So, I, I don't know. I just guess I overlooked him for a while. I don't think I ever had him in my top 100, but... He's a, he's a major no, league average guy good. for me. I think he's 50 overall, you know, or excuse me, like a 50 grade prospect. So, um, well, I like him. Let me, uh, let me ask you, do you think yeah. that going back to fantasy, TGFBI, all these different sure. setups, do you think Nicky Lopez can be the player that we thought Garrett Hampson could be kind of going back to the Rockies? Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah. I mean, Hampson, I think had historically a much better track record of, uh, stolen bases. I correct me if I'm wrong there, but, um, so I mean, I guess. Yeah, I mean, other than you know, other than uh, rookie ball, uh, where Lopez had twenty four stolen bases in sixty two games. Yeah, that was a while ago. Yeah. He's pretty much been in the teens. He had twenty one in twenty seventeen. Uh, he had fifteen last year. Does have nine so far this season in thirty one games, and that's yeah, uh, nine nice. for twelve. So they've sent him quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I mean, like projections have him. Over the next 95 games, five homers, 11 bags, even K to walk equals about a 340 OBP. And 
I think there's some value there. I think there's a lot of value there, and I think it's stable value. I mean, I don't know if this kid's going to go 10-10 the rest of the season. Um, maybe the upside's like 5-15, I would say, with maybe like a 280 average would be really nice. And there's some value in that. I think that's like a top 250 player, you know? And uh, I think he's going to be a guy that's a little bit overlooked, especially because I think there's a little bit of job security here too with the with Witt moving to the outfield. And the, uh, I think Hamilton is, is literally on the verge of losing his job because he's not a good player. So uh, I guess we'll kind of see what happens there. But yeah, Nicky Lopez is the guy here I think that I kind of want to stand for a little bit. Um, I'm interested to see kind of the production. We had him 196 on the uh, Prospects Live uh, Fantasy Top 300. You can find that on our interactive, interactive prospect board. Uh, so we had him Maybe just inside the low. top 200. Uh, yeah. It might have been a little low, but I think the other we'll thing see, you have we'll to see. keep in mind is he has right now value, and there are so many good prospects. To me, like a, a top 100 That's list doesn't That's even mean point. anything anymore because there could be 200 guys in the minors. I mean, yeah. nobody had Spencer Turnbull on a top 400, probably, yeah, right? And he's been a pretty good he's been a pretty good player. I mean, that's that's a prospect that you know, we sort of overlooked, and I had missed him a few times in the Eastern League last year. He just wasn't starting any of the games, um, you know, when I caught Erie, so I wasn't able to sort of speak to that. I have a few guys later on the show that I'll, I'll stump for though. Uh, sure. that are close to the, I mean, you just don't know. Right. And, and I think there's a lot of guys, maybe they take a reliever role, they jump up and then you have all these guys that could be three, four, maybe even five years away. They're super talented. They're going to be top 40, 50 prospects consensus in a year or two. <sighs> and it's of more value to maybe pluck one of those guys a little bit early, you know, uh, other than some of these floor guys. So I think that's what you're kind of battling against is all different, perspective if you just went from a redraft standpoint i can go into a redraft list i believe he was in eddie's top 50 um but yeah nice. i think i think he's a little interesting I, I you know i don't ex- i don't necessarily expect him to set the world on fire but i do think that the floor yeah. is pretty high and i do think there's a lot of opportunity there in the playing time and at bats at the end of the day especially in these 15 team leagues like tgfbi that is king you need as many yep. at bats as possible let's move on to austin riley because yep I like a jackass last week wrote a column about Austin Riley. I talked about how I really didn't think he was necessarily going to get the call because I didn't know, you know, they would have to call him up to play outfield. It's really crunched in the infield. There would need to be an injury. I can't see them just sitting under Enciarte and calling up Vicky Lopez. So I did say, unless there's an injury. So I guess technically Enciarte is an injury, but they called him up. Um, Enciarte's hurt. They call him up, and and here he is. He hits a homer in his first game. Um, he's looked pretty good. I, you know, this guy was like the hottest hitter in the world. So I kind of expected the home run in the first game. Um, he's made some swing adjustments this year. I think it's allowed his overall profile to tick up. The approach is better this year. Um, he's hit for more contact. He's hitting for like an insane amount of power at this point with the juice balls. I, I've always liked Austin Riley. I've always stumped for Austin Riley. I think he's taking that next step. Do you think that he's going to force NCR to the bench? Is he going to get lucky and Donaldson gets banged up and he moves over there? They do have a really good backup infielder in Johan Camargo, probably one of the better bench gloves, uh, not glove, but necessarily like, you know, infielders really for a bat first, but one of the better in the league, even if he's not hitting that well this season, he's a very good player. And you know, he probably would start on a majority of teams in the majors. So um, I, I just, 
where does he fit in? Do you think this guy stay, stays up? Because I, I just I can't wrap my head around them benching in Ciarte. Um <laughs> But maybe I'm wrong. Just because of the defense, it's so good. It's the Jackie Bradley Jr. thing, you know? Only he's yeah. probably a better offensive player than, Junior, than Jackie Bradley Jr. is at this point. Yeah, I mean, I I struggle with Riley's long-term picture as well. I, I it's, it's not as stable for me as a guy like Nicky Lopez. Um, it's a little bit more stable than a guy like Brendan Rodgers. It's probably right in that. It's probably a little bit worse than here. I think here has a better chance to kind of stick for a little because there's a clear problem with Shaw. But, like, if Ingeniarty's thing isn't a big deal... You know, and he comes back. Like, I, I don't see any reason why they'd play Riley over him. I know NCRT struggled a little bit to start this year, but you're saying the defense is good. It, it's been really good for a really long time. And in that lineup, too, like, he's fine sitting seventh or eighth in that order, you know? So, I don't know. Like, I, I, I think there's a good chance he gets kicked back down. Um, he's looked really good, I have to say, in the two games that I've seen of him. I, I really like a lot of things with him. I think he's adjusted a swing a little bit. His hands are extremely quick. Um... I haven't gotten the best look at kind of pitch recognition and things like that, but he got a ball over one at 108 miles per hour. I think his home run was 109, which is an extremely good sign in terms of exit velocity and projecting out some of his power to stick. Um, Cause he's always kind of been like this mid teens pop guy in the minor leagues, you know, where he's getting like 18 uh, ish to 20 a year or so, but he's never stunted out and been like a, like a solid, you know, what we all expect, which is eventually, I think somewhere around like 60 game 60, excuse me, game power. Um, but I think you get to that pretty quick because I, I, I really like what I saw. Like, he was jumping on pitches early, he was swinging early in counts too, which could kind of hurt the K rate early. But um, there's a chance he sticks, but I think there's a, I think there's much more likely of a chance that he kind of goes back down in a couple weeks. But even if, even if the results are good, I just, I'm really interested to see what the Braves do here because um, they have a lot of talent kind of mixed all around their team. And uh, he's pushing the outfield now. It's going to take some time to get any metrics, metrics and how he's playing out there. But um, I can't imagine that he's going to be better than <laughs> even like a, a, a half of what NCRT is in terms of value. So that's going to hurt him a little for me. Yeah, I mean, really, the only thing he has going for him out there probably is the arm. Um, yeah, not that he's yeah. slow footed. I always thought that he was a very good defensive third baseman. I think that he's the long term answer there next year. He's probably going to be the starter. Um, but I, I will say this. He's been stunting out this season. I mean, yes, yeah. how many homers does he have in the last like 10 games? Like nine. He's got 15 on the year, right? Already, which is just, and I think it might be like 12 in the last like 13 games. Like wild. he's, he's been insane. I was looking forward to catching him with Gwinnett this weekend in Pawtucket. And once again, I've missed Austin Riley. He's been hurt both times that Gwinnett came through last season. Um, I caught Acuna once without Riley a couple other times they came through, he wasn't there. I saw um, Gohara. I saw a few other guys throw. Um, I still, I, he's been elusive for me, man. Despite the <laughs> fact that he's that he's played over a um, hundred games, he's played like a hundred and ten games in AAA. I've never seen him in McCoy Stadium Beautiful. yet. That stink. That is wild. <laughs> Yeah, There's so, some guys that always just escape you. And 13 yeah, runs so, in the last 18 games as well. So and, of course, insane. he gets called up like three days before I'm going to see him too, you know. So yeah, exactly. um, just my luck. But I hope he does great, and uh, I'm glad to be able to watch him. I guess I'll have to catch him the next time the Braves take the Red Sox on at Fenway or something if I want to see Austin Riley live. Uh, <laughs> kind of disappointing, but uh, maybe it's not the end of the chapter. Maybe he gets called back down, Gwinnett's back. And I get to see Riley then. I like the way uh, you're thinking and where your head's at. All right, let's talk a little Corbin Martin here before we sort of talk some live looks and players we've seen, want to see, etc. Um, I was impressed. I've always liked Corbin Martin. Um, 
what I thought was a slider, apparently, his entire minor league career is actually a knuckle curveball. Um, it does sort of have that two-plane slider break. I don't know if you agree with me or not there. The changeup looked nasty. The changeup looked better than I've lo- seen the changeup look ever. Like, college tape, all the games I've watched of Martin, because I, every time he's starting, I just – I. He's one of my other than Chris Paddock. He's probably my favorite minor league pitcher. Um, and the fastball was touching 98, was sitting comfortably 94, 96 uh, with some nice movement. He could hit uh, really all four quadrants in the zone. Um, what were your thoughts on Martin? He looked phenomenal. It was a somewhat weak lineup, of course. He gets a much tougher task, I believe, on Saturday at Fenway Park against the Red Sox. So that's going to be a tough one. Um, but what do you think? What do you think about Martin? Could he stick? I, I, he might be the best guy for the job at this point, in my opinion, because oh, Forrest I, Whitley's yeah. not right. No, he's not. And I, I don't, I wouldn't, I don't have any reason to panic around Forrest Whitley, but I really liked what I saw no. before Martin. I had him stashed, um, in one of my dynasty leagues for a very long time. And yeah, he looked really good. Uh, I think the biggest thing here is just to realize that the Astros are extremely, extremely good at developing talent. As we all know, uh, this is the best player development organization in baseball, and it's really not surprising to me that they have a guy who has velocity, can work it up in the zone, has three pitches, is not going to have split issues, and is able to maximize the effectiveness of a breaking ball, which he's able to do. I always thought it was a slider. Honestly, Ralph, looking watching that game, I didn't even realize they classified it as a knuckleball, or excuse me, a knuckle curve, which is hilarious, because I, I watched that whole game run, and I thought that yes. pitch was a slider. Yeah, I, I, I guess maybe I didn't have the sound on or something. Or sometimes I watch two games, so there's no I have to like flip between sound and stuff. But I could have sworn that pitch was a slider because that was sitting like in the upper 80s, mid 80s maybe, and I just looked like it had slider action to me. But this again is something that doesn't really matter that much. What matters is that he's very good and he has control. And I am I think that there's a very good chance that he sticks in this rotation, uh, rest of season and ends up putting up decent numbers. Um, Maybe the start was a little bit, uh, you know, over-aggressive. You know, I, I'm not exactly sure. I think projections are always going to have tough times with players and organizations where I think that they're very deliberate w- with what they have guys do at different levels of their system. Um, so when you're looking at projections of a guy like, you know, and you're combining, you're waiting AAA and AA from 2019 and 2018 with Martin where he had 100, 100, journey, 100 innings, excuse me, in AA in 2018, and he had like 24 in AAA with more strikeouts. Walker kind of went a little wacky and stuff and was one of the few who wasn't giving up a lot more home runs. I almost wonder whether they have guys working on certain things at certain levels. And when you get the full package at the major league level, whether it all just pulls together a little bit more, where he's mixing pitches, you know, he's almost, I mean, for, for Astros pitchers, he's a little heavy on his fastball, but maybe that was just kind of a first start thing. I'd love to see him go down and throw that uh, curveball a little bit more, throw the changeup a little bit more. But I guess we'll see with that. I think he probably ends up being more of like a 50% fastball guy than kind of the 64% uh, is what Fangraph said he threw in that first start. But, yeah, he's legit. I really like him. He's, he's a top 100 prospect for me, um, for sure. I don't know if I ranked him that way. But after seeing this, like, whether you're overlooking him or what, I'm not exactly sure. But, and I have all the faith in the Astros to make any adjustments that they might need for him to maximize his efficiency. But he's sticking in the rotation. And a non-prospect that I think might also have a rotational shot is Josh James because he's looked amazing over his last couple starts, or excuse me, last couple outings after really struggling to start the year. So McHugh to the pen, I think eventually Peacock back to the pen, honestly. And I would not be shocked if you see Martin and Josh James in there and then Whitley gets everything together, which he will inevitably do, I think, um, and uh, coasts into this rotation at some point probably, I would guess maybe late August or so. 
Um, but I guess we'll see. But yeah, Martin looks great, man. I'm, I'm super, super hyped with him. Uh, and just for reference sake, I believe I was the only one who ranked Corbin Martin in our top 100. Yeah. Where'd you have him? I had him 96. Well done. Well done. I'm sure there's see. a pitcher between 80 and hundred to me that I would not take over Corbin Martin right now after seeing him. So, uh, shame on me, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Let me just, uh, confirm here. Yeah, no problem, no problem. Yeah, I mean, most people graded that fastball as, like, above average. They, they they gave him future three above average pitches, which is good with average command. So, I mean, that's a four. That's a number four at, at most, but I think he almost even maybe looks more now like a three, especially at the age of 23 with how he's going to age. Um, it's pretty promising, but I, I guess we'll see if the K percentage sticks. Mm-hmm. Um, swinging striker is more average than plus, so he's not going to be, like, a 10K per nine guy. I think he's more probably like a – like a 9K per 9 guy, which is completely fine, especially if there's some control there. So any update, Ralph? Yeah, no, it was 96 is where I had him. I had him uh, right near Jonathan Loisega, uh Josh James, uh, Adonis Medina, Tristan McKenzie, Hans Kraus, uh, Adrian Morihon. Um, yeah, that sort of area. Pitches okay. Eric Pardino. Um, you know, not too far away from Hunter Green either. But I had 79, yeah. so. It kind of gives you an idea. Davy Garcia. Um, I actually was a low man on Garrett Hampson, too. I had him at 84. So uh, I guess I really wasn't, even though I then bought into him after. But all right. Anyway, let's talk a little post hype. <laughs> let's talk a little post hype sleeper with Willie Calhoun. Um, so, yeah, man. <laughs> Willie's back. He hit a homer. I think first at bat back in the majors. Um, so. The numbers he have been like- good. Four for seven today or something crazy in this route. It was a weird yeah. route day for a lot of and, major league teams. Yeah, exactly. And the numbers have been, you know, good in AAA. Um, it looks like he sort of found himself again. Is there opportunity here for Willie Calhoun? Um, I, you know, it's so hard for me to buy back in. The Rangers are just going to give him the job. But I have a sneaky, suspicious feeling that it's worth adding him and seeing what happens. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to have trouble buying back into Willie Calhoun, I think, as well. Um I, I, I want to – I actually, I have to admit, I added him in one redraft league as, I think, a 15-teamer points league because I think there's a little bit of OBP value there, and I was lacking in outfield depth, which is relatively scarce on the waivers. So I added him, and I'm going to sit in him for a day or two and see if this is just a little hot streak I could ride into the weekend to win my matchup. But long-term, I know Chu is hurting this outfield a lot. There's a variety of guys like on this Texas team that I think are a little injury-prone. I think Pence is one of those guys that's relatively injury-prone as well, despite his good fortune this year. But – you know, at the end of the day, it's the Royals pitching staff. I know it's on the road, but he decimated them. And I don't really know where they're going this weekend, the Rangers, but I have to imagine he's going to face better pitchers than he's facing unless he's going to play the Orioles. Um, so I'm pumping the brakes a little bit. Um, but again, this is another guy where we're looking at the AAA stats, and they are really good. <laughs> and I don't I don't particularly know why. You know, like the, the walk rate more than tripled. Um, his K rate cut almost in half. He's just raking the ball, and I really don't know why. And it's one of those kind of conundrums that I just kind of shrug my shoulders to. But, but other than that, I mean, yeah, I think longer term, maybe there's still some value here at the end of the day because of the OBP, because I think he gets on base and he's able to make contact at a nice enough rate. But I'm going to stick to my one share of him and probably end up cutting him in a week or so. And then, uh, you know, whatever. I guess he's the lowest of the rung of the guys we've talked to. I'd take Nicky Lopez over him 
So uh, I don't know if that's going to say anything. Huh. I don't know. Um, <clears throat> I could I could see you going Calhoun, especially if you need the power. Um, I'm going to say you are a poor Cardinals fan because the Cardinals traveled to Arlington this weekend oh. to take on the Rangers. Uh, they got Mikolos going <laughs> on Friday night. They got Hudson going on Saturday. And then the Sunday starter in that matchup. Give me a second to scroll down the screen is... Flirty? Jack Flaherty. So there we go. Not that um, bad they see a couple of good, yeah, a couple, a couple of good arms, um, <clears throat> couple of good arms. So uh, yeah, we'll, yeah see. we'll see what happens. I guess it's a tougher pitching staff. Um, certainly not the cupcakes they've seen. So no. let's move on from uh, all these call ups. We've already spent forty minutes, I think, of the show on players that have just been called up, uh, and there's even more that we didn't cover. It's been. Uh, I feel like Super Two, the Super Two date was going to be like May first this year. <laughs> the way know, yeah. things are going, it's you know. So crazy. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, they they sort of enforce it with the number of guys that st- uh, come up and reach their service time. So <clears throat> should be interesting. Let's talk about some of the guys that are still in the minor leagues. Um, I've I've had the good fortune of being able to go out to a ton of games. So far this year, when I was on vacation in Florida, I've seen a lot of uh, ACC games with BC. Uh, but I've also been able to hit some of the parks. I've hit New Hampshire. I've hit Pawtucket. I've hit Hartford uh, numerous times. I'm going to hit them a few more times. Uh, I've got to see you know teams like Binghamton. Uh, I've, of course, seen New Hampshire. I've seen Hartford. <clears throat> I've seen Harrisburg. I've seen uh, Rochester, Columbus, and Pawtucket. Uh, just within the last, I would say, uh, 10 days or so. So I've gotten a lot of these uh, teams in and a lot of players you've seen. We'll do it real quick. Let's talk like three guys that, that we've seen of late. I'll give it over to you first, Lance. Um, like how I said that to Lance is accusatory. All right, Lance. (laughs) All right, Lance, tell me who you've seen and, uh, who's the number one guy that that you've watched so far? Um, whether ranking or just intrigue, the, the nearest and dearest to your heart. Yeah, I mean, it's got to be Juan Franco. I think whenever you get a look at who many of you are going to consider the consensus top prospect in baseball, um, it's tough to not talk about him in every chance you get. Uh, I saw him one game out in uh, Fort Wayne. He was facing a lefty, so I actually saw most of his BP and at-bats in this game right-handed, which I have, from my understanding is a relative rarity just because it's obviously hard to line up with a left-handed starter most of the time, so you're probably getting you know, 68% of those at-bats from the left side of the plate, which he is good from. But I was equally as intrigued from the right side, honestly. His BP was super controlled, um, which is really interesting because – I thought, you know, going in, I'd be able to get a raw power grade on him. Just comfortable. You know, watch BP, see what happens. And yet, he did not lay into one ball. <laughs> he, he was so controlled. Everything he hit was like gap-gap, um, one-hoppers to the wall, warning track, etc. No balls out of the park. And I know that there's more power in him because of his hands and because of just his, his overall ability to make contact. He's walking, I think, 5% more than he's striking out, 4% more, excuse me, than he's striking out in the Midwest League right now. I have to imagine he gets kicked up too high A at some point relatively soon. Um, extremely impressive in a variety of facets. I, I think there's some people who don't think he sticks at shortstop, um, and I'm not sure where I sit on that right now, actually. I have to say, I think that I'm kind of in the balance of, like, wondering whether he sticks at short and he ends up being average or maybe, like, slightly below, or he ends up at second base and ends up being plus there. So I'm not sure. I saw him take balls on the left side. I thought his arm looked good. I thought everything looked good footwork-wise, but I've, I talked to his scout, and he followed up and said that he – thought at the end of the day want for Honda Franco's a second baseman so I get that and I understand that so I I kind of want to maybe reserve the fielding but the arm was good so 
there's so much to love here. I mean, everything is like 55 or better, really. Um, I, I don't even know where to start on it, honestly. The, the hands are unbelievable. His ability to make contact is great. He's super mature at the plate. Pitch recognition is insane for an 18-year-old. Ability to make contact. The hit tool is 70. Like, this is, this is it. This is your number one prospect, honestly, now that we're getting a bunch of graduations from Vlad Jr. and a variety of other players. And he pops, and he's a ton of fun to watch. So I'm, I'm very excited to see how quickly he moves through the system and what the Rays' eventual plan is long-term for him. Uh, the other two I saw, I'll cut through really quickly. Xavier Edwards I've seen a bit of. Um, he is walking a ton and not striking out at all, but there is no power here. This is 20 present power for me, uh, future maybe 30 at max, I honestly. Wow. I, I might even just keep it at 20. But the thing is, you know, the more I've thought about it and the more I've read about other people's takes on him, he could be like a really, really good OBP guy. And he might be one of those weird situations where he's stealing a lot of bases, um, which he hasn't actually been really efficient with at all in the middle no. of the which is kind of surprising. And this is an interesting contrast because last year we had a guy, Estuary Rees, out here, which everyone probably knows if you're a Padres fan or a prospect or of any kind. Really good hit tool, not a really good defender, has no position, but really advanced bat. And he stole like 49 bases at a relatively nice clip. And Xavier Edwards is 11 for 18, which is really weird because, uh, because Xavier Edwards is a straight-line 80 runner, and Estuary Ruiz is like a straight line 55 runner, maybe 60. I didn't really get any run times on him, but the more I saw him, he was just so good at reading pitchers. And I haven't really seen, I think I've seen two stolen bases from Edwards, um, both with little pitchers on the mound. And for summer, he's getting caught a lot. And it's interesting to me. I know he's younger than Estuary Ruiz, I believe by a year, maybe, but this is kind of surprising me. It's relatively perplexing that he's getting caught this much, especially when pitchers generally take a pretty good amount of time. The Midwest League isn't really too stringent with a lot of these guys working on things like uh, like pickup moves and, and holding runners and stuff, and he's still getting caught. So I, I really don't know why. I, I'd be really interested almost in talking to him a little bit about that. But, um, but yeah, I, I, it's a mix of emotions here for me. I think that there's really good OBP skills, and I think they sustain for an extended period of time. But I really don't see any power here. I think the ISO is going to be perpetually low for a very long time. So it's a matter of how much value you think you could derive from a guy who's going to stay. I think he stays on the right side of the infield and ends up as a second baseman. So second baseman with uh, a really good base running ability, ability to steal bases, nice OBP, gets on base. So is he like a, a weird altered version of like Billy Hamilton in the infield where he's stealing, you know, 30 to 40 bases a year and he's getting on base more than Billy Hamilton, which is huge. Um, I think that's maybe the outcome, but for me, that's, that's not like a top 80 guy or top 60 guy, um, and I don't know where the upside is. But then again, you know, maybe just a swing. A lot of these guys can get in some power, so maybe there's some hope there. Um, and I'm, I'm, he's one I'm going to be updating on, too, so I don't want to really take any hard stances with as I kind of get more looks at him throughout the season. And the last guy I want to talk about is Austin Hansen, who's a name that's probably off a lot of Raiders, and he's an Oklahoma kid drafted in 2018, eighth round by the Astros. We were just talking about Corbin Martin. This is another round the Astros I think are going to have a fun time developing. Um, a ton of right-right changeups from this kid. He struck out seven of the first nine batters I think he saw in a weird kind of Iowa game. Actually, they were playing out at Iowa University because there's some flooding in Davenport, Iowa um, at the Quad City River Bandits natural home park. So they're playing out in Iowa, and this kid just decimated and rolled through the Toronto lineup without Jordan Groshans, who's one of the guys that I really want to see. But seven innings, 10Ks, two walks, a hit. He K'd, again, seven, of the first, seven in the first three innings. So this was definitely front-load in terms of seeing him for the first time. Um, it was a funky slider, really good right-right changeup, and a decent elevated fastball with the kind of average velocity in, like, the 92-93 window. And I think this is a kid, again, is in the Astros system. They're just going to let ride out and will eventually, at some point, maybe peek in as, like, a 25-year-old reliever with some stuff. And uh, I like him. A little bit undersized. Six feet is what he's listed at. A little bit of wacky mechanics, a really high glove hand, but... Really deceptive 
Um, there was some effort, but I thought it was fine in terms of how he was manipulating his body and separating. So um, one to keep an eye on. Obviously not one that's probably more than like a 45 future value guy for me, maybe even 40 future value, but he popped enough for me to want to mention him on a podcast like this, maybe with two names that people know. So uh, kind of give him some cred. So uh, those are my three, Ralph. How about you, man? Yeah, so uh, not as exciting as the guys that, that you have, but I guess the best one I had was Louis Garcia, not of the Philadelphia Phillies, unfortunately. It was the of the Washington Nationals. Um, <clears throat> aggressive assignment to double A. The numbers have so far have not been good. I've now seen Garcia in four different occasions spread out ac- across a couple of different series <clears throat> against righties and lefties. So I've gotten a good feel for him. Really slappy hitter, very handsy hitter, I think is the best way to describe him. Um, and he, he's not a guy that has a lot of power at the moment. His frame is bigger than you think. He's not as fast as you think sort of getting going. He gets a second gear when he's on the bases, but straight line to first, he's not all that fast <clears throat> stealing bases. He's not all that fast. I've seen him get um, caught once. Um, it might've stole a base as well. Um, but he's, you know, decent jumps, but I don't think he's going to be like a 25 to 30 steal guy. It's probably more like 10 or 11. Um, as currently constituted, I doubt he hits 15 homers this year. It's probably going to be more like six or seven. Um, very linear swing <clears throat> looks to go the opposite way. Shortens up big time. I think I've showed you the footage, uh, with two strikes and really just looks to put the ball the other way and put it in play and make some plays with his legs. He's a good enough runner. I'd probably put a 55 on it now. Um, mm-hmm. But, I, you know, I don't think that uh, there's anything, you know, um, sort of making me think this is a future 60-plus value player, that this is um, an everyday contributing guy offensively that, you know, an above average player. I don't see an above average player. I think he's going to be just a decent guy that, you know, maybe has a little bit of upside, but as currently constituted, he is very much not like a modern player. Um, he's like a super hyped up Nicky Lopez, probably with a little bit less speed. <laughs> um, pitch recognition skills aren't great. He has such elite hand, eye coordination, bat to ball skills, kind of that Brendan Rogers disease, only much, much worse. Um, He'll bite on stuff on the outside part of the plate. But if he sees anything over the plate and he swings at it, he's going to get his bat on it. Doesn't turn on a lot of stuff, not a lot of pull side pop. Really probably puts the ball um, sort of, uh, you know, up the middle, uh, whether it's right on the the side of, you know, second base, right, you know, to the the second base side or the third, uh, excuse me, the shortstop side, uh, uh, second base. He kind of finds the hole there. is able to place the ball. So like I said, there's, there's contact there. You know, he's a lot of, a lot of top spin. So it's just going to be really ground ball heavy. And if he does drive it, the times I've seen him drive it, it's been sort of to the corner of the opposite field in Hartford over by the barbecue place, as you know. Um, But I thought there was good bat speed. I think there's a hitter there. Um, It's just, he's going to have to make some tweaks in order to tap into more power. But I think there's a good foundation of just bat to ball hitting ability He's seeing, um, you know, this kid's only 19 years old. He's seeing such an advanced level at such a young age. Um, you know, he has two or three years to sort of really develop into a much better player. Was pretty solid at shortstop, and I've seen him at second base uh, as well. Um, <clears throat> next guy I'm going to kick over to, I've seen so many pitchers that are kind of interesting. It's it's tough for me to parse through who I'm going to pick. We've talked enough about Mike Schwarren. 
I'm not going to talk about Mike Schworn. He was Mike Schworn sitting 89 to 90, 91 on the fastball. A lot of sink, a lot of run on that fastball. The slider almost mirrors that, only with more bite. Was sitting like 83 to like 81 that day. So the velocity was down a little bit. It was a little bit cold, but not that cold. And he threw some change-ups as well. He was phenomenal. I think he got through eight innings in under 100 pitches. But his opponent that day was a lefty that has sort of burst out of the scene and I think gotten a little bit more recognition, at least in prospect circles. Not a real interesting guy for fantasy because he does not miss a lot of bats. That is uh, Devin Smeltzer. He is a... Uh, a lefty in the the Minnesota organization, you know, taller guy. I'd say maybe he's like six, three, very lanky. I've described his throwing motion almost as spider esque. Uh, he's pretty athletic and loose with his, his lower half gets good extension. Um, but the weird part is his glove hand is fully extended almost to the point of where he falls off to the third base side. He never tucks it in sort of by his ribs as he finishes off with his release point. Very strange, really, really long arm action, but he gets it right behind his body and hides the ball well. A lot of deception. Velocity-wise, he was sitting like uh, 88 to 90 on the fastball, 87 a little bit later on, but it has a lot of sweep and run. Um, He works up in the zone with it. It's just deceptive, and he's just one of these sort of deceptive control command lefties. I think he went eight innings as well on just under a hundred, a uh, hundred pitches, or it might've been seven under, under a hundred pitches. Let me double check here. Just seven under a hundred pitches. I think he entered with 81 pitches in that game, uh, into this, into the seventh inning, um, mixes four different pitches. He's got a curveball, 12, six, really tight break, uh, sat about 77 to 79. I thought that was what he used mostly to attack lefties in the lineup. Um, uh, you know, one, one in particular was um, Josh Ockamy, who's of note, um, you know, went out right after him with a couple of fastballs and then, you know, got him looking um, for a strikeout with a 78 mile per hour curveball uh, down and in, uh, in the strike zone. So, um, and he sort of went after Ockamy the same way, got a six, four, three um, uh, double play, out of Acme after uh, letting up a, a, a single to, to Rosny Castillo in the previous batter. But he cruised that day, went through seven. He looked really good. It was under 100 pitches. Um, not a ton of swing and strikes. I think if I look here, he had one, two, three, four, five, six swing and strikes throughout the entire day on 100 pitches. So doesn't miss a lot of bats, but really efficient innings. Um, I think he had a couple here that were under 15 pitches. I think three of the innings were under 15 pitches. So really efficient. Throws a lot of strikes. Works quick. Um, gets a lot of ground balls, a lot of pop-ups. I think he had four pop-ups in this game. So um, not a guy that gave up a lot of hard contact. Maybe two balls that were driven deep into the center field uh, at Pawtucket. And that's where the major league balls. This was actually his AAA debut that I caught. He was really impressive. Um You'd have to be in a really deep league, I think, like 20 to 30 teams to really be interested in smelts or even 15-team leagues. He's probably not getting in enough strikeouts, and I don't know how much opportunity he has in the present. But he was interesting. Uh, this past Friday, I caught Will Crow um, with the uh, Harrisburg Senators, uh, Nationals affiliate, when they were in Hartford and uh, he looked really good. He was, he was probably one of the best arms that I've seen um, just from a pure stuff standpoint. 
Uh, fastball was, you know, 94 to 95 is where it sat. Touched 96 on a few occasions. Um, really located it well, low in the zone, up in the zone. Uh, located it well to both right-handed and left-handed batters. Um, got a lot of swing and strikes in this game. Um, I think he actually had... Let me see. One, two, three, four, five... Six, seven, eight, nine, nine swings, nine swinging strikes, um, which is pretty good. A lot of swinging strikes on the fastball. I think predominantly his swinging strikes were actually in the fastball. That's always great to see when you have a guy that can locate the fastball uh, to both sides of the plate, get swinging strikes on it. Uh, and then he pairs it with a couple of other secondaries. Um, he's got a, uh, uh, a changeup and then uh, also a curveball. Um, I believe he has a slider as well. Um, but it was sort of tough to tell the difference, even cutting through the video, uh, of the spin on the two pitches. I don't, I don't know how many sliders he actually threw. It was mostly curveball, um, change up, you know, to the lefties, you could tell the change up, you know, was sat like 87, 88. And, uh, then he would drop a curveball in at like, you know, 83 to 84, um, but yeah, it, the, 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 the changeup was like 84 to 87 and, uh, the, the curveball was like 82 to 80. Um, and I think there might've been a, a handful of sliders that he threw to some right-handed batters, but it was mostly fastball curveball changeup, And, uh, it was a good mix. And, and I thought he had, you know, good variation in terms of speed on his pitches, um, Kind of like your prototypical workhorse delivery. He's not the biggest guy. He's stout. Uh, you know, probably like he's listed at 240. He's probably a little bit slimmer than that now. I'd say about 230. He's listed at 6'2. I'd say 6'1, 6'2 is probably reasonable. So um, not the biggest guy, but he's also not small. I think he's, you know, sort of your prototypical hard throwing right hander. I think he's a starter, probably a back-end guy, but I could see some mid-rotation upside just because anybody that has a couple of uh, secondaries that do get swings and misses that he can throw in the zone, he's got a plan of attack and sequence and the sort of advanced sequencing uh, at this level and knows how to attack you know, uh, left-handed batters. Um, with a fastball that, like I said, gets swings and misses and sits in the you know, 94, 95, touching 96 97 um i think he is a guy that could play up um i'm 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 very optimistic with uh will crow we know that he obviously had uh a sort of storied career at south carolina uh as an amateur so was drafted three times too so there you go i uh those are the three guys that i checked out uh don't want to get too much into the hitters we're going to talk about a lot of Tyler Nevin and Colton Welker. We're going to see a little bit more of them this weekend when I catch mm -hmm. Casey Mize and Matt Manning, maybe Alex Fado as well. Uh, but that should be pretty interesting. Lance, I think this is a good time for us to wrap up the show. We've given yeah. the people a lot. We'll try to be back next week on a consistent basis with some more material. Yeah. Uh, we were getting out of the fields, trying to get some information uh, to fuel the content that we provide you folks with. So Lance, any parting words before we sign off? No, enjoy, enjoy fab. If you're any, any leagues that run on Sundays, cause it's going to be a fun, fun night, <laughs> minimum 30 minutes for everyone to put in all their bids. I have to imagine <laughs> that'll be my minimum at least take care, everybody.
White Castle presents CEO Lisa Ingram. My great-grandfather opened White Castle in 1921, which is why I'm excited to announce the new 1921 slider, inspired by how we made him 100 years ago, with a 100% beef patty topped with cheddar cheese, caramelized onions, tomato, lettuce, and pickles. Come see why originality never goes out of style. I'm Lisa, but you can call me the Slider Queen. White Castle. Long live sliders. Pasteurized processed cheese at participating castles. Texting privacy policy in terms and conditions posted at textplan.us. Texting enrolls for recurring automated text marketing messages. Message and data rates may apply. Reply stop, stop, stop. The pandemic has been hard on all our kids. New studies show more than one in three children who started school in the pandemic now need intensive reading help. Here's the good news. Your child can be reading in just 30 days, guaranteed, with Hooked on Phonics. My first grader was behind in reading, and this program has made a huge difference. She's now reading above grade level. I use it for my kids' nightly reading for school. We love it, and it's super easy and quick to do. My kid, who just turned four years old and has been using the program since January of this year, can now read read. Thank you so much, Hooked on Phonics. Even if your child has been struggling, Hooked on Phonics will teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. And right now, you can get started for just $1. Text the word KID to 323232 right now. It's fast and easy. Text KID to 323232 and teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. Text the word KID to 323232. Text KID to 323232.